Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central simpler communications in the clutch within the clutch sports apparel your one-stop shop for all your unique phantom sports apparel with fully licensed merchandise covering the major five sports your favorite players and all the teams from every major city with unique feature designs that only you as the fan will have go to in and use promo code belly up show for 10 percent off your order today with free shipping on orders of a hundred dollars or more again that's promo code belly show for 10 percent off your unique fandom collection today this is the md's fantasy football show with dan mader giving you the x's and o's of all things fantasy Welcome back into another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show live on YouTube. Make sure you check us out there and catch us on demand on nearly every TV app. When you go to download us on the Fox Seed Network app, you can catch us on the go. When you download us on your favorite podcasts and listen in all the shows all the time. Did you miss us? It's only been 24 hours. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, and we got a special guest here tonight along with, of course, our intern, Danielle and my co-host Chris Dowhauer, but we got Brian Scott, the host of the Injured List podcast and medical expert for an all too important show to talk about before we head into draft season. Brian, how are you doing tonight? And thank you for joining the show. Pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Doing well. Chris, did you know that there's there's football going on right now? We actually have a preseason game of action. It's, did, it's, you, did, did you catch the opening drive? I have not. So I was wondering who actually was going to play in these in this game because I realized well, like preseason's like you know for the backup backup backups right now. That's what I'm getting to. Everyone the Raiders were benched except for Josh Jacobs, who not only came in for one series but came in for the second series as well. So we played two series. So let me just get your quick take on that because that just happened you know within a couple of hours. Does that mean in your eyes that they are just going to feed Jacobs to the wolves? Or are they like, hmm, maybe you're not so much of a starter for us. We got to see what you got. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like that could be a camp a camp casualty right there. You might have looked him to get a salary cap. I don't know exactly what he has in the books. I know this is his last year of his deal. Maybe they're angling to try to you know, trade him or get rid of him and try to showcase him. Because otherwise, we, you never really see running back play, much less get you know in this kind of first game in a Hall of Fame preseason game. Yeah, I was just, I was, I was, I was, my mind was blown when I saw Josh Jacobs in there. Everyone has their backups in, 
But Jacobs, when running backs don't play, he's out there. Maybe he's trying to get him hurt so Brian can actually give us some <laughs> medical advice on that. So, Danielle, I kind of gave it away a little bit, but what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about injury inquiries because if you're going to be drafting someone, you need to know how healthy they're going to be. So this is the perfect time to discuss that. Absolutely. Danielle, we're going to see you later on in the show. All right, Brian, I hit you with a laundry list of all laundry lists (laughs) a couple of weeks ago and said, here, figure this out. Give me all of your medical expertise on like, you know, 50 players and we'll see how many players we actually wind up talking about. Yeah, it was was quite a few. (laughs) (laughs) Let's kick off the show on the main one. The main one being the ACL injuries. There's a lot of guys who have some variation of the ACL injury, but there's a lot of different ones out there. Yes. So just give me like your overall view when it comes to ACLs and athletes. Uh, okay, so this is a, uh, it's always a hot topic because it's the one that you hear about the most, reported on the, on the news and on the sports uh, you know, talk shows and whatnot. So it, it, and it just always becomes a, a big topic because it usually leads to the players being out for the remainder of the season. Um, and in the NFL this year, there's been a bunch of high-profile skill position players, wide receivers, running backs that are coming off ACLs or had ACLs and are kind of into that first or second season, you know, getting back to kind of full swing. So uh, it's, it's always a hot topic. So I, what I did was I took some of those names and kind of grouped them together. And more, rather than talk about their injuries individually, we're going to kind of compare them to each other to kind of get a better sense of when these guys are going to come back, how effective they're going to be, and what the differences are between some of their injuries, because they're not all the same. One ACL is not the same as another ACL, and a lot of it has to do with timing of the not just the injury, but the subsequent surgery, and then what other structures were injured along with the ACL, because it's very common that you don't just get isolated ACL injuries. The m- more commonly, you will get another ligament sprain and potentially a meniscus injury, which are those shock absorbers inside the knee. And, and uh, that's the more common kind of uh, mechanism. It's that rotational mechanism, the sudden deceleration or some type of force that causes these injuries to usually it's three structures. It's called sometimes termed the unhappy triad, ACL, MCL, and a lot of times the medial meniscus as well. And there are a couple players that have some of these injuries like that. And then there's guys that have isolated ACL injuries. So, um, but before we get started, I just want a quick thing, Dan, and I mentioned this earlier and I apologize, but one thing that's really important when it comes to kind of figuring out how long these guys are going to be out, when they're coming back, and what to expect. Especially in the preseason, this is like the most important time of year if you have players on your roster, is you really want to look at where they are in their recovery and where they are listed and whether or not they're on the physically unable to perform list. And if so, which ones are they on? Because there's two PUP lists. There's the active, which occurs now in the preseason for guys who are coming in injured and are either rehabbing from an injury and have not yet been Uh, given the green light to get back full force, or they're just not ready yet for whatever reason. Maybe they're just still kind of working themselves in the game shape, but they've been cleared. Um, Or they're in the midst of a current injury where they sustained it either during the preseason or leading right up to the preseason in the offseason. And so there are some of the players on this list. I've kind of indicated whether they're on the active, uh, unable to form list. And then later on, as we get closer to the regular season, if they come off the active list and they go into the reserve list, that's huge because that means mandatory. They're going to miss at least four weeks. And that used to be six and they actually changed it this year. So pay special attention to that. If you have any players that are kind of question marks about whether they're going to be ready for week one, um, they might end up on the reserve uh, 
physically unable to perform lists. And if they do that, they're automatically out for four weeks. And then they're not necessarily guaranteed to come back either. Because then there's a 21-day window where managers, coaches have to make a decision about whether these guys are actually ready to play still. There's a 21-day practice window where they can then be activated and they will count against the 53-man roster at that point. Or um, are they going to go to injured reserve or potentially be released or sent back to the practice squad? So there's still a lot of unknowns when it comes to guys who are injured and coming back from injury, even four weeks into the season. So it's not always so cut and dry. So you really got to kind of look at where they're at as far as the timing of the injuries, the timing of their recovery, and what they're doing in preseason, whether they're on that active list yet, whether they're not, and then as we get closer to the start of season. So very important stuff when it comes to looking at your fantasy roster um, and guys that are coming off injuries or dealing with injuries. So I just want to preface everything with that. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, I, so, I appreciate the, uh, the explanation yeah. there because that was, that was wonderful. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and, and the, the six-week change to the four-week thing was huge because, I mean – that's a big chunk of the season. And I, I, I don't know if that was something that the Players Association uh, made an effort to change um, or if that was something that the, organ- the league in general did, but uh, that, that's different this year. And so that's a big change. Those two weeks are, are a big, big difference. Um, so looking at ACL injuries, probably two, uh, it's, you know, it's bad enough to have one guy injured, but when you're the Baltimore Ravens and you have two running backs injured, um, both with ACL injuries, who both went out last season right before week one, and now you're, there's two question marks surrounding whether or not they're going to be ready for this year. Um, that's a problem. So you got Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, who both tore their ACL in their knee. Now, some reports said that J.K. Dobbins also had a lateral collateral ligament injury with his knee injury. And I've got to say, I saw that on a few reports. That would be exceptionally rare. Um, your lateral collateral ligament is, is a thick cord-like structure. It takes a tremendous amount of force and a very specific type of mechanism to injure that ligament if that ligament was injured at the same time he injured his acl that would have severely changed the time frame for his return and really prolonged his rehab recovery so i'm not too sure if that's accurate information if it is it must have been a very mild injury because as far as i know him and edwards are both kind of hovering around the same time frame and i don't think um i have to double check if they're both on the pup list or not but um, I think they are. They are. Okay. So, but again, they can be activated at any time. So we'll have to see what happens. And if they end up on the reserve list, then again, they're out four weeks. So keep an eye on those two. There's talk that they might be ready to week for week one. I think Edwards probably has a better shot at being ready. Cause it, from what I've well, read on some of those hold, reports, hold on. I'm going to push back on that real quick because Harbaugh is saying the opposite. He's saying Dobbins has the better shot to come back week one. He's farther along in the rehab process than Edwards. So what makes you say that maybe you think Edwards would have a better shot here? Well, if well, because if I'm, what I'm reading is correct about this p- possible LCL injury that Dobbins had, because that would definitely prolong his recovery. Now, maybe he's doing, maybe he's ahead of schedule. Maybe he had surgery sooner. That might change the the, the time frame up a little bit. Maybe put him ahead. Um, but it sounds like they're actually kind of neck and neck. I don't know if they've but they're kind of doing anything just yet at practice. If they're on the PUP list, that they can't. They cannot actually practice if they're on that list. They can do team meetings. They can do. Um, get medical treatment at the facility, but yeah. they can't From actually... From what I understand, Dobbins is running off to the side. Right. But and that's okay. They can do that. less according to reports as of right now. Yeah. And that's okay. They just can't practice with the team right. if they're on that list. So so you will see them do some stuff on the side. It's usually going to be just some very basic drills and whatnot, kind of gearing themselves up to get ready on the field. Sure. Um, cool. Hold on a second. Uh, Chris, 
So you're looking at Dobbins, looking at Edwards, you just you just get you know Brian's take on on everything that you know this is a more serious ACL injury that we typically have, and that's why um, that's why we have reports that it's taking these guys longer. I mean, everybody expected them like, oh well, you guys got to hurt before the season started. So some of these other guys that we'll talk about in a little bit, you should be further along. You should be almost on your way back, and that hasn't been the case. So not listening to Brian talk about like, well, we have these concerns and maybe more about it's a possibility they wind up both on the pup list. Where's your comfortability at? I mean, J.K. Dobbins' ADP is at RB24. Now, Edwards is at RB51, and that reflects, I think, some of the reports about Harbaugh saying he's not as far along, and it's sounding more and more like Edwards is a surefire, or I shouldn't say surefire, but more on his way to starting the season with the pup. So are you comfortable taking, let's say, Dobbins at the 24th if he's got a much longer timetable to recovery? I absolutely am. I look at a guy, if you're going to miss me, you know, four weeks or even longer, but, you know, up to four weeks, as Brian's kind of alluding to, it's not necessarily going to damper my one where I take you, especially if you're a RB2 for myself or even my third running back to have on my roster. It's kind of an ace in the hole. I think that you're not looking for these guys to come, you know, kind of hit the ground running as it was. If you were drafting them, you probably weren't going to play them the first couple of weeks as it was. You know, you want to kind of ease them in your lineups, hopefully. So for me, J.K. Dobbins at 24, he's definitely going to be a probably a starter as the season progresses. Expect him to return, even if it's going to be a prolonged return. It's just going to come back at some point. Um, you know, we talked yesterday's show about you know some of your sleepers with DeAndre Hopkins being suspended for the first eight games or nine games. But you kind of talked about when he comes yeah. back, or sorry, six games. But you talked about when he comes back, you know, kind of impact he can have for your fantasy team. So I look at you know J.K. Dobbins, like I said, as your second or third running back. That's a nice, that's a nice guy to have. Well, that's a great point. So, Brian, my question back to you would be, when do you think Dobbins most likely would be able to hit the ground running and be at full speed? I mean, they they should be already. Uh, you know, most ACL injuries and surgeries, you can be, expect them to be back by 9 to 12 months, somewhere within that window. So if they're not, you know, if they were injured last year in September, I mean, you're looking at we're almost at 11 months already. Yeah. So you would expect them to be out there doing stuff already. I, I agree. Well, just real, real quick. I just was curious, though, you know, with the Ravens and the, the atrocities they had in the backfield last year where there was just, you know, injury after injury in the backfield, maybe they're in no hurry to get any of these guys out there kind of running around because they probably want to keep them as healthy as long yeah, as Yeah, we don't care if Mike Davis hurts his knee, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and let's not forget, these are these are all, you know, everything's very subjective, too, with this. You know, there's no, I mean, these are all, like, general guidelines. These are average law of averages here. You know, guys have setbacks from time to time. Sometimes they, they accelerate their rehab very early on, and then they hit a little bit of a plateau. They might have a few setbacks, some soreness, some swelling which may you know, lead to some concerns and it may slow them down a little bit. So things don't always stay on track. Um, there's always a little bit of a kind of shifting and kind of altering the rehab. And some guys end up uh, you know, further along at the beginning, but then a little further back at the end. So you know, it's, it's not always so cut and dry. Well, let's talk about somebody who, who seems like he's, he's speeding along, Chris Godwin. I mean, he got yeah. hurt in the second half of the season, ACL and MCL tear. He gets yeah. cleared for camp. Now they're bringing him along slowly, but he didn't even start camp on the on the PUP list at all. So Correct. what's your take on him? Well, and that's kind of surprising too, because he also had a ACL and MCL injury, which is very common to get both of those ligaments at the same time. MCL doesn't always require surgery, but what that can do is actually sometimes delay the surgery to fix the ACL. Because um, you want that MCL to be as close to 100% as possible f- before you actually reconstruct the ACL ligament. So that can sometimes delay the procedure, which then in turn delays your recovery and timetable to get back on the field. So very surprised to hear that, but that's great news for him. Sounds like he's going to be ready to go possibly week one. Um, all By all accounts, he's actually done pretty well with his recovery and feels pretty good. He hasn't really complained of much and hasn't had any major setbacks. So um, good, good lucky for him. 
Are, are you concerned about him at all? Not from a not from an injury standpoint. If he's doing well, he's you know getting he's up to. If, if you're around that nine month mark, then you know by most physiologically you're you're ready. That ligament's all kind of healed in. Um, there's no greater risk at that point than there would have been before the injury. Uh, physiologically speaking, the graft that they use to reconstruct the ACL has kind of solidified itself in to that new position as a new ligament. And um, as long as he's meeting all of his metrics as far as his therapy goals and stuff, there should be no no concern, um, no major concern if he's not having any major setbacks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chris, are you on the table of, uh, you will take Chris Godwin. His ADP right now is at wide receiver 21. Hearing Brian talk about that, are you willing to take him there? I am, and I think Brian just basically solidified that for myself because I kind of went back and forth with him. I expected him to miss much more time. Brian kind of alluded to this usually that injury that you come back so fast from, and then you know they this this team kind of loaded up on receiver, added Russell Gage, added Julio Jones recently. So you kind of may expect that maybe he wasn't going to be back sooner than later. But if he's already being cleared, not on the pup, and a guy that's kind of you know streaming along. Then I have no reason not to play him. So yeah, I think he's been you know, he's been outstanding the last few seasons. So I think it's once again he's got great value right there. I, I was waiting for this episode. I was I was waiting for this episode to know if I was going to be confident to take Chris Godwin at that spot. Because look, we know what his upside is. His upside is a wide receiver one. He's he's a tremendous wide receiver. Especially with Antonio Brown out of the way. Say what you want about Russell Gage. Say what you want about Julio Jones. Chris Godwin's better than both those guys, and nine of one of them at this point in their careers are Antonio Brown. So, yeah, we know he has that upside. The question is, can you feel confident him coming back so quickly from it? Brian, you just solidified that for me. I'm going to be much more bullish now moving forward with Chris Godwin, one of the reasons I was looking forward to this episode. There's another guy who got hurt late who's getting cleared very, very fast, and that's Robert Woods. I mean, he tore his ACL in November. He does, he's, not, he's not wearing a wear, uh, knee brace. He's already out in practice. The reports are he's already making plays. Does that surprise you at all? Um, so actually him and Jamison Williams are actually two guys that I put in the same category. Um, and I expect them to do really well. I expect them to be back very quickly compared to some of the other guys on this list. The reason for that is Mike, um, I'm sorry, uh, Robert Woods came out in the press and was alluding to his injury and basically said that he had an isolated ACL injury. And Jamison Williams had his surgery reconstructed by um, Jim Andrews down in Birmingham, Alabama, one of the premier sports orthopedic surgeons in the country. And out of his camp, it was reported that Jamison Williams also had an isolated ACL injury. So when you hear that, that's like the best case scenario for an ACL injury. Isolated ACL, no other major structural damage. Usually that leads to a nice, clean rehab, clean reconstructive surgery, and uh, an optimal return to functional activity in sport. So if, if you have that recipe, um, that's a win-win. Chris, I mean, I know that's got to be music to your ears. You've been harping on Jameson Williams, especially in redraft leagues, as a guy you want to take as a sleeper. His ADP right now is all the way down at wide receiver 62. So we're talking double-digit rounds before you're taking a Jameson Williams. So how bullish How bullish would you be? Because I know you're higher than the ADP, so let's throw that out the window. How bullish would you be on Jameson Williams if it was you drafting for the advice for MD Nation? 
I feel like my if I have a good solid core three receivers, and then I am looking for that fourth fifth option, and I'm playing, you know, you have to start the league that starts two or three receivers. I'm probably going to start looking at that fourth fifth receiver as that option because the upside to me is just tremendous. And if he's going to get back sooner than later, I think that as you alluded to, you, the value there you can get this guy for, and you kind of load up at other positions possibly. You talked about some of the strategies last, you know, yes, last night about maybe. Like, pushing off quarterbacks or how high you go on some of the quarterbacks. Well, if I can wait on my receiver, I can load up some other you know key positions. I can maybe draft a quarterback and another receiver later on. So I can really have a, a really balanced roster with a home run hitter basically waiting in the wings. And as Brian's alluded to, if he can be out there in the field sooner than later, I'm excited because to me, and you even mentioned this yesterday, could have been arguably the number one receiver coming into this draft. I'm really excited about seeing some of these other guys. I love London, but Jameson Williams is a guy that to me reminds me of a, tall, a taller Sean Jackson in a lot of ways. So just getting the ball in his hands and the way that he can just kind of manufacture things is really exciting to see. Well, and on the flip side with Robert Woods, like I already thought people were sleeping on Robert Woods as it was, but with him being back this quickly and Brian not having any issues with it whatsoever because it was a clean ACL injury. Well, I'm going to be even more bullish on him. He's wide receiver 40. We know that there's some stuff going on with him and Shailen Burks as far as, you know, which one's going to be the number one guy. I lead at least out the gate. I think it's going to be Robert Woods week one because the vet to the veteran quarterback just usually syncs up a lot faster than a rookie wide receiver to a veteran quarterback. Now, I still think Traylon Burks has more upside. I still think he might be the home run pick more so of the two later on in drafts. And because of the asthma, I know it's not part of the ACL grouping that we're doing right now, but I did ask Brian about the asthma thing. Is there any concerns about Burks? with the asthma that we think we should even propel Robert Woods up further? Or do we think by the time, you know, we get the second half of the season, Burks will be ready to go with doing whatever he needs to do. Um, I'm, I'm not really overly concerned about it. Um, you know, unless this was like a severe asthma attack event and a newly diagnosed issue that he's not accustomed to dealing with, then uh, I mean, yeah, the, you're a little concerned, but I mean, in the NFL with the level of healthcare these guys get and the attention, the detail they have, um, this is usually a very manageable um, condition that a lot of athletes are able to play with that we don't even hear about. So uh, I'm not sure how it became such a big story, maybe because some people were saying maybe he's out of shape. And I mean, that may be partially true. But, you know, there's a lot of things that can cause asthma. Not And one of them is exercise-induced asthma. You know, there's also allergic triggers that can kind of cause um, as, uh, asthma, you know, uh, episodes, asthmatic episodes. So, I mean, there's a whole slew of things that can tr- trigger asthma attacks. And a lot of athletes that deal with this have been dealing with this their entire career, athletic career, and usually have a good handle on it and manage it very well. It's easily manageable with medications and, um, and, and therapies uh, outside the field of play. So I, I'm not overly concerned about it unless there was some, you know, really weird circumstance that kind of cause it to become such an issue in the media, which I couldn't find. So I'm not really sure why it was such a big deal, to be honest. I do want to talk about two guys that might be more on their way to the pup list, at least if you believe the reports coming in. So you got Michael Gallup. He tore his ACL very late in the year. And then Logan Thomas, ACL and meniscus, also very late in the year. Both these guys right now, I would personally lean towards them heading towards the pup list just based on reports that I've seen. But where are you at on these guys? Well, so... I've read some reports where Michael Gallup is actually doing really well and was feeling good and is trying to avoid going on the reserve list and trying to maybe get activated week one or two. Um, I'm not sure where he is in his recovery, but uh, I think he had surgery in February um, because he got delayed a little bit because he had a lot of swelling in his knee. 
And so that can sometimes happen. You know, the, the stiffer you are going into surgery, the worse the outcomes are. So sometimes you can't reconstruct that ligament right away and you got to give them some time to kind of rehab a little bit before they go and have the reconstructive surgery done, which is what probably happened with him. Um, Logan Thomas, though, had a really severe knee injury. He did not just injure his ACL. He also sprained his MCL. And, and this is according to him in some of the press reports I saw. He actually stated that he had both meniscus injured and subsequently repaired, which is a major, major thing because that severely slowed down his uh, ability to uh, rehab. Because if you have meniscal repairs, generally speaking, you're off of your feet, non-weight-bearing on that knee for six weeks before you're really able to start doing any type of serious rehab. So that pushes back the timetable significantly for Logan Thomas. Um, so if anybody's going to go on the reserve PUP, it's more than likely going to be him when you're comparing him to Michael Gallup. He had much more much more structural damage in his knee, according to reports, and, and according to him. It, I mean, Chris, I, I think you would agree with me on this. John Bates, he'd be the guy who steps in outside of maybe DFS. I don't really have much interest in him personally. Yeah, I think you're going to have this team trying to figure out how to manufacture touches for their you know, their running backs and their receivers. And tight end be kind of forgotten about a little bit in offense to a degree. So, yeah, I think Bates is the guy that you're looking for. He had some decent you know, spurts last year, maybe a streaming option here or there, or a DFS option, but not a guy you necessarily need to be drafting anywhere. The Gallup thing's really interesting, especially now that we had James Washington. He blows an ACL. He's out. So he's out for this year. He's, he's gone. So Gallup being able to avoid the Pupilus or winding up with the Pupilus has, has tremendous ramifications for the rest of the Cowboy receivers. And thus far to this point, Jerry Jones has said that they like their young guys. And they're not going to look to really bring anybody in. We'll see if that winds up staying true. There is guys like Will Fuller who are still out there. I'd be kind of curious to see if they don't try to bring a guy like that in. Now, you know I'm big on Jalen Tolbert anyway, especially if he gets the opportunities with Michael Gallup. You maybe not so much. So, so tell me this. Would you be big on Tolbert if he gets the opportunities early on with Gallup out of the way? Or do you think it's just going to be more compilation on for CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz and everybody else just get out of the way? I think it's going to be more of a consolidation. I think you're also going to add the running backs into that equation. I think you'll see Pollard get a couple more check downs just as he get involved in the passing game, as you saw kind of last year. I think that the receiver, you know, Tolper has a good chance, and I definitely thought of you when I saw this injury because I think he's got, you know, a definitely a avenue to have some big plays. We saw Gallup have flashes of that. I think Tolper can do that as well as rookie year. It's just how consistently how can you kind of guess when those games are coming, and that to me is going to be really difficult this year. I think Dallas looks to try to kind of, you know, like I said, Gonzalez, the targets, CD is going to be a guy that can move all over the formations. They have guys that they can play two tight ends with. The, they drafted a guy, like I said, this, this past draft to add to their arsenal, so... I think overall you might just see kind of a shift in personnel, maybe more so than an actual, you know, a, a guy emerging as a second receiver elite option. Um, but I do think you can have, you know, definitely should be on your radar and someone you're kind of looking at as an option as the season progresses, though. Yeah, like Jameson Williams is your guy late, and that's that's definitely a good one to have. Tolbert's my guy. I love Jalen Tolbert. I think he can play inside and outside. I, I comped him to Michael Gallup, which is why I was shocked as hell when Dallas actually took him when they had a Michael Gallup right there already even though he might have been banged up to start the season but especially if Gallup let's say he does wind up with the Pupilus and he's out the first four weeks of the season I especially love Tolbert then because then it'll give him a chance to establish himself and I don't think he gets squeezed completely out of the rotation even when Gallup comes back and he tries to work himself back to be 100% because even when he's back already I mean Brian can, can talk more about this I wouldn't expect him to be 100% right from the get-go no, he's going to be rusty. There's going to be a lot of rust to shake off. I mean, you can't. It's hard to really simulate true NFL game action. 
you know, outside of an actual game. So these guys usually take a few weeks to kind of really get back into the swing of things, um, despite even, you know, preseason and practicing. I mean, you just can't simulate the intensity speed of a true NFL game. So it, they usually come back a little rusty. Just a quick question, Brian. Sorry, Dan. Um, is there is there like a time frame that you look for to kind of that makes you feel comfortable to play somebody a certain amount of snaps? When do you kind of feel like, you know, like, you know what? This guy looks good to me. He's ready to go. You know, somebody I can add to my roster. Or ready, I'm ready to play him. I know myself, I'm always reluctant to do so. With with serious injuries, you know, I guess you could put the ACL in there too. You know, uh, you can expect a lot of athletes to take anywhere between 12 to 18 months to kind of really kind of feel like they've gotten past the injury and they're back to 100% of what they were before. Um, Clinically speaking, you're looking for them to be at least 85% before they start doing a lot of the football specific drills and activities and can actually be cleared to play. But most patients and athletes in particular will report to, and studies have kind of proven this, that usually they don't feel back to 100% subjectively for at least that 12 to 18 month mark. However, when it comes to ACLs, there's one thing you got to keep in the back of your mind. And um, Odell Beckham Jr. is a good example of this. With skilled position players in the NFL, there have been some studies that have looked at the re-injury and re-rupture rate of ACL injuries in the knee. And what they found was that there is a two-year window where guys are more susceptible to re-injure their ACL ligaments after returning back to uh, full competition. And the two positions that are ranked high in that are running back and wide receiver, which is what we expect because they're the skilled positions. They tend to do a lot more of the cutting Uh, sprinting, changing direction, which is what the ACL is so important for. And so, you know, that's why when Odell Beckham Jr. sustained that repeat ACL injury, I wasn't totally surprised. I mean, it sucked because he was playing so well and he was looking so good. Um, But that is a real thing and it can happen. And so, um, you know, that's why there's some trepidation about letting these guys get back too soon and kind of taking them a little slowly and kind of sometimes pulling the reins on them. Um, before putting them back in there, you know, at that nine-month mark or even earlier. So um, just keep that in the back of your mind when you're looking at some of these guys coming back. Some of that, you know, some of that is also psychological. I mean, um, they're, you know, they're dealing with an injury. They're sometimes rehabbing away from the team, away from the facility, uh, on their own, sometimes back home, uh, away from the environment of the NFL and their organization. And um, as we'll, we'll talk about when we get to K.J. Hamler, um, that can play some really messed up psychological things on, on your head and kind of sometimes that can be sometimes the limiting factor getting back out there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the perfect segue because I, I, first I want to talk actually about Cortland Sutton because he said, you know, getting that time separation, he's now a year removed or, or almost two years removed from that Correct. ACL. He didn't look himself last year. Part of that might have just because of the horrendous quarterback play that he's having to deal with all season long. Uh, but the other aspect of it, he didn't quite look as explosive as we were yeah. used to seeing Cortland Sutton look either. So now that he's a year, uh, two years removed, yeah. do you think Sutton's going to be back to himself this season? Can we get more excited about him? Yeah, I, I would expect him to be a lot better than he was last year. And I think I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, and looking at the time frame, it makes sense. He wasn't quite as explosive. He was probably lacking maybe a half a step. But in the NFL, that's a huge, huge difference to make up. Um, and he wasn't quite as uh, as effective and productive as he was the year before. And yeah, you can chalk up the quarterback position to that too. But I wouldn't be surprised if if he told you himself that you know he probably just didn't feel quite back to normal. And I'm sure he's feeling much better this year. Um, and he's been a big uh, a big support um, bridge for Hamler, who's coming off a major major um, knee injuries. So um, you know 
uh, we, yeah, we talk, talk, talk about Handler that. a little bit. Cause yeah, he's I mean, on so, his way back. Yeah, that dude. So that guy actually tore his ACL in high school, had it reconstructed, and then last year tore it again. But what's even more impressive about his injury was at the same time when he landed, he actually subluxed or kind of partially dislocated his hip and ended up having to have surgery for that and his ACL. Some people were made to follow the instructions. We were made to make our own. To always measure twice and never cut corners. Unless, of course, we've got a compound miter saw. Northern Tool and Equipment is a problem solver's paradise. There's nothing we can't find, fix, or figure out together. We're made for this. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. And um, there's a really good uh, video on the uh, Denver Broncos website that kind of talks, takes you through his story. Um, he actually got very depressed. He lost like 40-something pounds. He was in the hospital for two weeks. Um, he couldn't walk on either leg for several weeks. Couldn't even shower for like a week. The guy got like severely depressed, was actually at one time like suicidal, then lost his grandmother, who was like his best friend. Um, so that he went through a lot, but uh, he's back out there in the field. He looks actually really good, and uh, he's not even on the PUP list. Um, and should be good to go uh, week one. But, you know, that's a major, major uh, injury and recovery that he's uh, coming back from. So I wouldn't expect big things from him, but I do expect that uh, Cortland Sutton should have a much better year. All right, so we got Cajun Handler, who's great for him. He's coming back, but maybe he's not going to be 100%. Tim Patrick went down with an ACL injury himself. He's gone for the year. So, Chris, looking at Cortland Sutton, looking at Jerry Judy, it's starting to look a lot like Seattle, where two receivers got consolidated targets with Russell Wilson. So where are you on both these guys? I have Sutton higher than Judy, but I have both of them in that that 23 to 27 range right now. Are you any higher than that? Which one do you have in front of the other? Yeah, I have him also around probably the mid-20s as well, You know, maybe like between the early mid-20s. I think... I, if you can ask me this question every other day, I'd have a different answer for you because that's how I kind of go back and forth with them. I love Cortland Sutton's fit. I love his opportunity to make the big play. We look, we saw the DK Metcalf kind of fill that role. We've seen other tall receivers with Russell Wilson always be featured in the red zone and then down the field is a big play. But then you look at Jerry Judy, a guy who runs Brots with, best, I think, the best of them in his third year, finally healthy, finally kind of looking for that breakout, um, just destroying people from what I understand in camp. Um, and one of the great, great outrunners come out of college a long time. So we put that kind of guy with a Russell Wilson, who we saw feature Tyler Lockett, for example, and Golden Tate through his, you know, his Google throw on and off as well as shorter receivers, guys who can kind of get out of their breaks easy. He loves those guys too. So I, I just have a hard time right now. I lean towards Sutton because I look for the red zone when usage and the touchdowns is the upside. But I think Judy can also have a monster season as well. I love both these guys. I them both too, and, and frankly, I think they. I think I have Cortland Sutton right now, trying to get up the top of my head. I think I believe I have him ranked at wide receiver nineteen at the moment. I got him actually inside the top twenty. Judy, I have right there at twenty four. So I'm both inside the top twenty four, both wide receiver twos, and I think they can both outperform where I have them ranked. Certainly outperform where their ADP is at. Sutton's at ADP wide receiver twenty six. Judy's at wide receiver twenty three right now as far as his ADP. 
these guys have tremendous upside. We haven't seen the breakout yet with the unfortunate injuries to Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler, maybe not being 100% to kick off the season. These targets are quickly getting consolidated down to these two guys with their best quarterback they've ever gotten to play with. Yes, I expect big things out of both of them. Go ahead. Um, Ryan, do you have any concerns about Russell Wilson in, in the, the thumb and the kind of the, his recovery? Does he, should he be fine this year? Or should it kind of, you know, what we saw towards the end of the season where the ball was fluttering just obviously wasn't the same kind of quarterback. Should that, you know, basically pretty much had a, had a chance to heal and be fine again? Yeah, I think he's had enough time to heal from that injury. And, um, uh, you know, you can tape and brace that uh, quite effectively these days with um, athletic tape and whatnot and some other wrap uh, jobs. And uh, I don't really see it being a huge issue. All right. We're way over the break because we got to hit a quick break. When we come back on the other side, we have more injuries to talk about heading into 2022, getting you guys ready for your drafts. A lot of great stuff. So make sure you come back and stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show right now. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Got Bush? You definitely do if you haven't tried the best products from our sponsor today, Manscaped. Taking control of your bush is important. These products are so good, you're going to be showing pride in your new bush-free yard. It's a fact that you will have the best-kept nut sack on the cul-de-sac. Save big and be the most hygienic version of yourself by using the discount code BELLYUPFANTASY for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Whether you're looking to go bald like an eagle or just in need of a safe trim, Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game. The grooming package I highly recommend is the Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package is the Lawnmower 4.0. This electric trimmer is a bush worst nightmare. With the Performance Package purchase, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the patented high-performance reduced chafing Manscaped Boxers. They have a bunch of other products on their website too to help you maximize your confidence and grooming game. So that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com. It's time to level up your game from the Amazon to the Amadong with the ultimate bushwhacking tools from Manscaped. So one more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY at manscaped.com today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back into the program. You are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show live exclusively on our YouTube channel. You can always catch us on your on-demand apps when you download the Foxy TV network or cast us from any mobile device when you go to bellyup.tv. And make sure you keep up to date with the show on the go when you download us on your favorite podcast app and listen in. I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with my co-host, Christopher Dowhauer, and our lovely guest today, Mr. Brian Scott, because he's given us all kinds of great little nuggets heading into this draft season. Believe it or not, there are other injuries besides ACLs that we have to watch out for. Uh, I know we spent the first half hour on it, but there's a lot of guys we need to talk about. The other one that is maybe more concerning, and we're trying to get more information on, is the Achilles. James Robinson, to me, looks like... Not quite as fast as Cam Akers, obviously, but a miracle comeback as far as what we've expected out of Achilles injuries in the past and where he is in his prognosis and him avoiding the pup list himself. So, Brian, when you look at James Robinson, is there any concern there? Is he coming back too fast or do you think he's okay? Uh, so, I mean, the, the minimum time frame for most Achilles ruptures and surgeries is about nine months. Um, that hasn't changed much uh, over the years. 
Um, but what has changed a lot in the in the more more recent years is um, the technique uh, of the repair, some of the material and suture material that we use to kind of repair the tendon, and the therapy protocol tends to be a little bit more accelerated nowadays because of that. So you do see guys that I think tend to feel like they're ready a little sooner. Not necessarily sure they are. Um, and you don't want to find out the hard way when it comes to the Achilles. I tend to be a little more conservative with the Achilles patients that we deal with. And I always, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I, I'm a stickler when it comes to that nine months with the Achilles tendons. Um, so I don't foresee anybody coming back any sooner than that, um, despite how good they, got, they might feel. Cam Akers was an exception. Um, I think he was back in like six months or something, yeah. which is not typical. Um, part of that could be where on the tendon the, the rupture occurred, how confident the surgeon is in the repair, and how well the recovery goes. And that sometimes is just subjective, and you can't really kind of predict it. But, you know, it's been pretty solid and written in stone over the years that that nine-month window is, you know, basically when most guys are cleared to come back. So any any sooner... You know, maybe by a few weeks, but I can't imagine it'll be more than that. I mean, Chris, look, he, he got hurt week 16. I mean, that, that's when he ruptured his Achilles here. So this is still a really quick recovery. Right now, his ADP's climbing. He's up to RB38 now because of the news about him possibly being ready to play by week one. Listening to Brian's concern about it being maybe a pushed-up timeline, would that sway you in your James Robinson and where you value Travis Etienne heading into the season? It's a, it's a tough question for me because I have James Robinson as a guy that I think was kind of being forgotten about and slept on just because Travis Etienne did return from his injury. I think Robinson's kind of been over, overcoming obstacles throughout his career, so I don't want to bet against this guy by any capacity. He seems to just kind of be very resilient one way or another. Having said all that, I am not going to reach too high on this on James Robinson because I, I do agree with Brian. One of the injuries I've rarely seen people come back of as of late is an Achilles really quickly, and I haven't seen too many athletes you know kind of look at the seam right off the bat either. Um, you know, I've seen more basketball injuries usually typically than I have seen football returns, and even the basketball injuries you've seen by the guys where they get injured really quickly. Demarcus Cousins pops into my mind, for example, um, or has never kind of the same explosiveness or be able to take off. So at the running back position, you need to be able to kind of hit those holes, be able to cut back, do these things that are going to cut a lot of pressure on it. And I, I do, I do want to kind of see that you know, last or be something I see this guy kind of doing consistently before I just assume that he's going to be ready to be ready to be taking the last snap of the carries. So I, I like Robinson at 38, but as he climbs higher and higher, it'll get too rich for my blood, I think. And I agree. And I'm still going to rank Travis Etienne in front of him right now. I mean, uh, Brian, maybe you can speak a little bit to the Les Franck injury that he, he has, but I know he's going to catch passes. And I think there's just a better chance, especially early on in the season, that he's just going to be the more explosive back. And I, I'm a little bit concerned. We saw Cam Akers come back too soon, and he didn't look anything like himself. So I mean, what, do, what do you think about the, the Liz Franck injury first there, uh, Brian? Yeah, so two things. Number one, you're absolutely right, Chris. With the Achilles, you, you, they do lose a lot of power. You do lose some explosiveness. That's usually more evident in, bas- in a sport like basketball because of the fact that you're jumping and having to explode into the air, whereas football is more of the sprinting. But it certainly does affect these athletes moving forward in their career, too. And not many basketball players have come back and been the same after Achilles rupture. So um, with regards to Travis Etienne, I actually have him on my fantasy team. And I'm very high on him this year um, for, for two reasons. Number one, his Liz Frank injury was a ligamentous Liz Frank injury. Um, and that was confirmed by him because he said they literally put one screw in his foot to fix it. And that's how I know. 
uh, because that's how you fix a ligamentous Liz Frank injury. And so if you're going to have a Liz Frank injury, there's a spectrum of severity with that injury. It can be something as simple as a, as a ligamentous injury, or it could be more severe where you have actual fractures that invade the joint and cause dislocation. It could be much worse. So hearing that tells me that he's going to be good to go, as good as he's going to be with any other type of Liz Frank. So, um, and that actually, we could segue into uh, um, um, uh, Travis Henry or um, Henry um, about that. But um, the other thing is apparently he's coming to camp looking like a stud. Apparently he's transformed his body and has gotten himself into some sick shape. Um, and I expect this dude to have a, a, an awesome year. So I, I drafted him ahead of Robinson. I actually have both of them on my fantasy roster, um, but I don't expect Robinson to be the starter. Okay. I, I that that goes in the more in line with what I was thinking, but this whole he's working his way back so quickly kind of had me second guessing. So I'm glad I get the confirmation from Brian there. Do you want to speak to Cam Akers? I mean, he came back, he wasn't the same guy, but now that he's had more time to rehab, get in physical training, and, and kind of build back up his body, do you think it's still too soon for him to be back to himself, or do you actually have hopes for this guy that maybe he does return? I think he will. I, I think he he just needed more time. Um, you know, but, but like I said, you, you do lose some level of explosiveness. Um, and I, I, I think, I tend to think that that's more heightened in the sport of basketball than it is in football, you know, but the thing is you come back too soon and then you have a bad year or maybe a bad few months toward the end of the season. And then, you know, a lot of times you get written off, but, um, you know, you have a lot, a long off season to prepare, get yourself ready, rehab even more. Um, so if he was able to get, come back that quickly, I don't think. I think I mean I think he can still make some advances and still kind of make some progress toward getting some of that strength and power back, which may translate onto better on-field performance. There's there's a question in the fantasy industry or a controversy, I should say, amongst analysts when it comes to when guys get injured, are they therefore then more injury prone moving forward? And, and the guy who's mostly around this debate right now is, is Saquon Barkley. Now he had mm-hmm. he had the ankle sprain. He's now two years removed from the ACL. Uh, do you with Saquon? Do you look at this guy? Is, are you is he just injury prone or is he just unlucky? Well, um, so talking about uh, him and Christian McCaffrey, I think you got to look at two things. One is. The, the, the sheer speed and force with these guys play with and the amount of work that they're being asked to do by their respective teams. And I think in Saquon's case, uh, he just got very unlucky. Um, he had a high ankle sprain, um, which was a pretty nasty looking one. Luckily, wasn't worse than what it was because uh, watching that replay of him getting hurt on that high ankle sprain, um, that could have been a lot worse. And then his a- ACL injury was, um, you know, a non-contact one. But, you know, you can chalk that up to maybe some hamstring fatigue or something that may have kind of predisposed him to getting it. He came back at a pretty normal time frame. I think he was about a year out when he came back from the ACL. But like I said, you know, it can take 16 months, sometimes even up to 18 months before you're really kind of back to feeling more than 100%. I expect him to have a much better year this year. But part of that is going to be because he's also got a better line. You know, they got a new offensive coordinator. They may kind of change how they use him. But I think... For him to avoid any major injuries, and for McCaffrey as well going forward, they need to change their game. They can't be these run, pound it out, catch the ball, run up the, you know, try to make these cuts. They've got to kind of alter their game a little bit to kind of stave off any of these major injuries that they've had because they've had a, some significant injuries in a very short period of time at the height of their careers. So, Chris, he- hearing that, you look at Saquon trying to determine, okay, what's your 
high upside value compared to the fact that you've been burning fantasy owners really since your rookie year because you haven't been able to stay healthy. Where are you at on Saquon? His ADP right now, by the way, is RB14. Yeah, it's a little too rich for my blood. I have him kind of, you know, late teens, maybe early 20s. I do think he could still be possibly RB1. We've seen him be able to do so, especially out of the back of catching the ball. My concern is kind of what Brian's alluding to. When you kind of lose that little bit of explosiveness, that's like I said, Quad Barkley, whose vision I question kind of as it was coming out in the draft, I think that it's got to limit him at what he can kind of bring to the table a little bit. So you do this guy who can kind of continue to have his jump cuts and kind of be able to do what he used to do. So I'm a little bit concerned that he kind of might not be the same guy he'll ever was. But I do think this can definitely be a guy that you could have as an RB2 option. And I wouldn't go too high where I think, you know, like you talked about 14 to me, it's a little rich. There's other guys I definitely like high, like Aaron Jones, for example. But I think Saquon Barkley isn't a guy that I'm shying away from, especially in that third, second, or third, late second, early third. I think that's the key for me. Like, I have an RB18 right now. And if I could get Saquon that third round, that's when I would be willing to pull the trigger. Last year, I wanted nothing to do with him. And part of that, of course, was how terrible the team was looking. But also knowing, like you said, Saquon is a player who I think even more so than CMC is very dependent on his explosiveness to be the guy that he's used to being. And when you're coming off that ACL injury and you don't have a good offensive line to begin with, we kind of saw, you know, not that David Johnson wasn't quite the same way, but kind of saw what happened to David Johnson. The second he lost half a step, he was not the same guy anymore because he's not built to win in other ways. I think Saquon could be along the same lines. However, again, Chris, to your point, this is the offense now with Brian Dable, who checks the ball down, typically speaking, more when you, you know when you don't have a quarterback named Josh Allen, I guess. He's going to get those shorter passes going. If he can just get more involved in that area, I think he'll have a more safe floor. But there's just a lot of talk of, especially guys in the industry, are trying to pump him up into being this guy who should be considered being taken in the top 10 because he has all this upside. I get the volumes there, but we still have a long way to go before we see Saquon be Saquon. So just... A little bit of caution. I am lower than the ADP there, but I do think there is a possibility this year, more so than last year, that Barkley could possibly get up to his fantasy level of production or something similar to it. There's another RB1 that I want to talk about, and that's Derrick Henry. He missed half the year last year. He comes back by the playoffs in a very fast timeline. Wasn't the same guy in that playoff game. Do you have any concerns about Derrick Henry heading into this year with his uh, fifth minute tarsal in the right foot? Yeah, so I... I, I... I don't know what I said before. Travis Henry? I don't know what the hell I was saying. I was kind of trying to allude to Derek uh, because okay. he, he recently, I think they took a screw out of his foot or something, um, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Or am I thinking of somebody else? I, I know no, DK just had I'm a thinking, screw I'm thinking out. of DK Metcalf. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I've got no reservations about Derek Henry. In fact, I knew he was going to come back for the playoffs because that injury. So here's the thing. He had a Jones fracture. Um, the things with Jones fractures are, you know, in you and I, we'd have that injury. We may not necessarily have surgery right away. A lot of times the surgeon will wait, let that thing try to heal on its own before going and putting a screw in it to fixate it. But in athletes, I almost always fix it right off the bat. And the reason for that is where that fracture occurs is a very precarious part of the bone that has a very limited blood supply and can sometimes go on to a higher rate of what we call a non-union. So athletes almost always get that fixed right away just to help prevent any chance of that happening. Um, but the timetable to return from it is usually not that bad. It's anywhere between six to ten weeks. Um, so they were probably feeling pretty confident about moving him up to get him ready for that playoff game. But, you know, then you got to shake off the rust. And even Derrick Henry gets a little rusty when you're not walking on your foot for probably six weeks. So 
you know, I would chalk his performance up to that. But he still ran for like 76 yards and like 20-something carries and had a touchdown that game. So, <laughs> you know, by most people's standards, it's a pretty good game. Um, but I don't have any reservation for him going forward. It's usually an injury that doesn't come back to haunt you unless you start having issues with non-union, which by all accounts, he has not. Okay. I like that a lot because, I mean, Chris, I have Derrick Henry in my top three. His ADP right now is number four. Just to give you guys an idea in case you forgot how dominant he was in the first eight weeks of last season from a fantasy perspective. He was the number one running back by 80 points. And it's the guy we talk about all the time in the industry. People have all this debate about where you should rank Derrick Henry because he's not involved in the passing game. You're like, well, he's got to be so astronomical in the rushing game to be able to make up for the difference. But he always is. And if he's cleared, he's got a clear bill of health, and we're not worried about a re-injury here, why would Derrick Henry be in your top four? I totally agree. And just to add the fact that he was throwing the ball last year, they actually did involve him in the passing attack, especially earlier in the season. So it kind of takes away that narrative as well. I think so. Derrick Henry definitely sky's the limit. You saw him return last year. Ryan's going to be, you know, continue to be good this year. I do who? I think Ryan, Derrick Henry's a guy you could definitely argue should be in the top discussion. What about Michael Thomas? <laughs> <laughs> this guy, your favorite fantasy doctor, lied to you. First of all, he's a jerk. I'll put that out there before we even start this. Second off, Michael Thomas getting back from his litany of foot-ankle injuries. What do you think about Michael Thomas heading into this season, Brian? I, mean, I haven't really been able to get a good grasp on exactly what has been wrong with his ankle. Nobody My has guess, a problem. Say again? I'm sorry? No, nobody has. That's the yeah. problem. And, and that's part of the issue, right? Um, yeah. So uh, my guess, my best educated guess, is that he's dealing with something pretty serious, like some type of cartilage injury or maybe some early onset arthritis because of these injuries that he's had. And I think it all stemmed from what he developed was instability in that ankle that needed to be addressed surgically. And as a result, it's taken him a lot longer to come back um, than somebody who had that surgery and didn't have any underlying arthritis or cartilage injury. So... My best guess tells me that that's what he's been dealing with, and that's why it's been so long, and that he hasn't been out there in almost two years now, I think, since the original um, time that he got hurt and had surgery. And I think he had a second procedure to then clean it up. So it, it, it has all the makings of a really bad, messed-up ankle that could possibly affect him for the rest of his career going forward, which is concerning for a guy like Michael Thomas because he was very high up there for many, many years um, with New Orleans. And um, it kind of reminds me of Grant Hill. You know, Grant Hill had a very jacked up ankle, uh, not to use a medical term there, but um, for many, many years and still played at a very high level. But it, for sure, it cut his career short and it definitely prevented him from being even better than what he was. And I, I fear that Michael Thomas may be dealing with the same thing based on all the stuff I've heard, the timetable that has taken him to get back and the, just the kind of the secrecy surrounding the whole thing. That's very explosive. Because, Chris, right now, I mean, Michael Thomas' ADP is at Waters here 25, and that's that's always been a little high for me. I, I do have him inside my top 36. I got him at 33. But I've been looking for reasons to bump up Chris Olave anyway, and I think Brian might have just given me another one. But wh what, do, what do you think about Michael Thomas at ADP 25 with what Brian's telling us? Yeah, I, I already threw a little twitch in my butt as it was. Brian kind of alluded to it in the time he's missing. I mean, this guy's been out of football for quite a while now. You kind of assume he's going to kind of hit the ground running as a you know, giant assumption. Having said that, even if you know a guy stand to lose a step in a sense, Michael Thomas was ever kind of built on his speed or his ability to kind of separate. He was able to use his body. He kind of was a great intermediate to short routes. So that shouldn't change too much. So I think he can still have a role if he's able to be healthy enough to play for the whole season. But it does kind of make you question, can he ever be the Michael Thomas we've seen in the past? 
which I just I have a hard time believing necessarily that he he will be. I think he might get relegated to being a jump ball receiver. I, I hope the best for him. We'll see what happens. But I am stu- not super confident, especially when you're talking about a guy who's a borderline wide receiver too, according to ADP right now. Uh, another guy who's dealing with some injuries heading into the season, uh, Matthew Stafford. He had a inflammatory inje- uh, ejection. He got what? He has elbow. Uh, Leningitis, or is that how you is that what no, it is? Leningitis? No, they're saying he's got uh, tendinitis, tendinitis or some type of what, what else yeah. can sometimes be termed as a epicondylitis. It's basically, um, it kind of reminds me of what Ben Roethlisberger was going through, but the only downside is Ben Roethlisberger actually tore the tendon off his elbow. Uh, let's hope Matthew Stafford doesn't, it doesn't get that bad, but it sounds like it's not good. It, apparently, he's been bothering him since the spring. Um, he had a PRP injection which is a platelet-rich plasma injection. What that is is they take some blood, they spin it down in the centrifuge, they try and get all the good stuff out of the blood that helps kind of factor into healing, and they, then they re-inject it into the area where the problem is. And it's often used for soft tissue injuries like tendons, ligaments, and things like that. Um, very often used for tendonitis issues similar to what he's got going on. So it's a, it's a, it's a treatment. Um, by accounts that I've read, they were hoping it was going to be more effective than what it is. And unfortunately, it doesn't sound like it was. So now he's kind of still struggling with this inflamed elbow. Um, and that's that's a problem. Uh, I, I think, if anything, it's going to affect his ability to throw the ball deep. You know, throwing a, a football is not like throwing a baseball. If this was a, if he was a baseball pitcher, he'd be shut down. Uh, he wouldn't be doing anything right now. Um, well, he's but actually not. He's not practicing right now either. Oh, well, that, you know, I mean, but you can get away with it a little bit more in football just because of the mechanics. So I don't think this is necessarily going to put him out. For any lengthy period of time, aside from the preseason, but I think this could significantly affect his performance on the field if he can't get this thing right come week one, and I think it's really going to affect him in his deep game or you know going down the field. And you'll know you'll know that right away uh, because it's not going to be subtle. You know, <laughs> sure. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger was not subtle when he lost his arm. Yeah, and he was all. having problems even before that. Ben, he was struggling yeah. throwing the ball even before that. So. Um, I, I hope he's not, not. going Stafford wasn't road. struggling before that, but yeah, it's 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 definitely concerning. I mean, yeah. uh, Chris, we literally had our debate about Stafford and what we think his his ceiling and ranking should be. His, his ADP is QB twelve. I am at ten, so I'm a little bit higher than the ADP. You had him all the way up to five. Does this news concern your high rank of him at all? I mean, I have him in the borderline of five. I think he could be discussed in the discussion. It does not too much. From what I from, from what I can recall, I could be incorrect with this, but I thought that this is something he's had for a couple of years now. The back thing was a bothersome, but going into last year, the elbow thing was something kind of inflamed, and they were worried about throughout the season. It's kind of tried to kind of limit some of him throughout the season. But this year, they were kind of trying to make sure to prevent that from happening, keep him fresh. That was why they were playing not using and kind of resting his arm, so to speak, as Brian Hollywood said, like a pitcher would. So I, I wasn't in the impression that he's just a new injury. I was in the impression this is something he's been dealing with. And now they're trying a different approach in a sense, try to keep him fresh throughout the season. Yeah, you might be right. And that's a good approach to take if that's the case. Um, you definitely want to get a handle on it sooner rather than later. So if that's true, then that's a good approach that they're taking. Um, I'm, I'm just not familiar with him having elbow issues. It's possible he did. And like you said, um, and so, yeah, this is definitely one of those things that it's more preventative care rather than treating the problem. Because these these tendonitis and flare elbow that flares up, it tends to be more chronic, and so these are sometimes things that, no matter how good a job you do and how early you kind of get a handle on it, it still may kind of linger throughout the year. But if you can keep it here instead of here, um, then he's got a better shot at kind of dealing with it and playing through it without it really affecting his game. So if that's what you, if what you're saying is true, then that's a good approach. I'm not entirely sure if he's had elbow problems in the past or not. I knew I was back, but I will say there was two reports today. 
I don't remember exactly who was reporting it, but one was from ESPN, one was from The Athletic, both insinuating that Stafford is in a lot of discomfort right now. That's what they were ta- that's what we were talking about. And that's and Stafford himself was saying that he's in a lot of discomfort right now. So just something to kind of keep your eye on. Like Brian said, we don't think it will affect his availability week one. But for him and all the pass catchers involved, there may be something to kind of keep your eye on as we get closer to the season. I'm sure we'll get more information as training camp wears on. I want to squeeze one last one in here before we call it a show. And I want to squeeze in Julio Jones. His ADP right now is at wide receiver 57. He signs with the Tampa Bay Bucks. He's matched up with Tom Brady. I think he's more there to be a Rob Gronkowski replacement than anything else. I think he's going to play tight end, but the red zone and all that stuff. But Julio Jones hasn't been able to stay healthy with all the soft tissue injuries he's had. Brian, do you have any confidence that he can turn it around? Um, you know, he's he's getting older. Uh, he was dealing with a hamstring injury, I think, last year or the year before that kind of knocked him down like more than once. I think he came back from it and then ended up back out. Um, and that's concerning because those are things that generally tend to creep their ugly head back repeatedly. So, you know, when you start factoring in that he's been in the league a long time, um, I, I don't think we're going to see Julio Jones make it through the entire season without missing at least a couple of weeks here and there. Chris, yes or no? You're going to take a shot on Julio Jones? I'd say no for right now. With the guy with news, I think that he's got to go down the, you know, down the, the, the totem pole, so to speak, and not offense. I tend to agree. We're going to call the show right there. Uh, Brian, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. What do you have coming up? Because you have the Injured List podcast. That's widely available on on all podcast apps. Are your videos too? I believe your video as well, right? Yeah, I started doing some uh, YouTube kind of short clip uh, injury updates from week to week as we had, you know, started the preseason here. Going to make that a regular part of the, the gig going into the regular season. Throughout the regular season, I'll have some uh, episodes on the podcast where I'll be doing some interviews and stuff. The video is going to focus more on injury breakdowns, injury analysis, and injury updates throughout the NFL season. And I'll be even, uh, part of that segment might even be actually showing clips of the injury and kind of breaking down the injury itself as it happened and talking about uh, things that I look for when I'm watching some of these clips and watching players get hurt and you know what the suspected injury might be and how what the expected outcome in rehab might be. So that's at host Brian Scott on social media. Make sure you give him a follow there. The Injured List podcast. Download it. Great stuff as always. And Brian's even going to be pretty consistently on the show, Wednesdays and Thursdays. We just confirmed that before we went on the air today. Wednesdays and Thursdays, for the most part, might be a couple days missed here or there. We'll see. But we'll kick off a segment, Injury Inquiries, with Brian Scott. So we're going to keep you guys up to date with Brian all throughout the year. He's going to be an invaluable resource on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So very yeah. happy to have you You're for You're going to see me on a, a few belly-up stuff, uh, belly-up sports stuff uh, going on in the NFL season here. I've become a hot commodity come the NFL season. We need more medical experts in the sports field are doing shows and that you're already seeing why because everybody wants a piece of Brian here. Guys, that's going to do it for the show. Next week, we'll be back. We got the top five, bus five, sleeper five, running backs. And then, Chris, we got the arrival at the expo. We're going to be at the X, the fancy football expo in Canton, Ohio next Thursday. We're going to do a show, I think, live from the hotel room that Thursday once we actually get there. Uh, Adam LaRue from Belly Up Fantasy, your other co-host from the Belly Up Fantasy show, will also be on that episode, too. Uh, but we will be back Thursdays. That will premiere Thursday, 10 p.m., Wednesday at 10 p.m. next week. So make sure you guys tune in then. We'll see you guys, and everyone, take care.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 